Buyers, and this is Successful Associations Today. My guest is Malin Seif, who works to help every association communicator move from relaying the news to building credibility by focusing on the people they most want to influence. Her company, Insight Marketing, helps associations win the battle for member attention and readership and engagement. All this begins with a compelling value proposition that conveys why the association matters. Author of the book, Breakthrough Value, which I highly recommend, Malin helps associations understand what a value proposition is and the seven critical steps to discovering and backing up their own unique value message. Welcome, Malin. Happy to have you here today. Thanks, Mary. Let's start with a really basic question here, since we're talking about value propositions so that we are all on the same page. How do you define those words? Yeah, good. So the job of a value proposition is is really to get your customers and your prospects to remember you for something. So it's a little bit of setting expectations. It's a little bit of a rationale for your members. It's the words that help you persuade that they would pay attention to you, that they would read your stuff, that they would rely on you. It's not what you have to sell to them. It's how what you have to provide to them helps them do something better. So it's not so much about what you think you do so well. It's about what you do that helps what helps them do what they do even better. Love it. So it's not so much about the laundry list of what you do. It is about the transformation that occurs or the education that occurs or the something that happens to me as a member that allows me to do my job less stressfully, more profitably, more productively, whatever the case may be. So it's an, it's not just the what piece of it, it's also the impact piece of it. But, you know, you and I both see that associations wrestle with having a strong, clear value proposition. Why is this so difficult? It seems like it should be easier. <laughs> well, I was going to say, the first thing is, the first reason that it's so difficult is it's not easy. The process of discovering what your members think is important, what they need, what they worry about, it takes time and it takes coordination and manpower and then, of course, follow through. And it's not like free from expense, like, you know, to put your staff through this and members through this and the time that it takes translates into, you know, money. So there's a lot that's involved. So number one, I think is it's not easy. Number two, I don't think associations historically look at their business as the business of sales, meaning, you know, it's important to put your solution into words and in front of your customer. And that only comes when you know what your customer really needs. You don't assume that, you know that by fact. And that then once you claim that, you claim that promise of what you do, then you actually plan around it and you communicate using it. So it's not only selling that to your members, but then backing it up. And every step in the governance process, it focuses around how do we make that value proposition stronger? How do we innovate around that value proposition? 
And the number three would be people just don't know how to do it. So I, I find that associations feel like in the boardroom, they can create the statement of why we're so great and they can do that on their own and members will come. But in reality, the only way to really create something of value is to discover it from your, not only all your members, but your most important members, the ones that are critical to your future. So that really touches on the whole idea of human-centered design or in an association's case, member-centered design, which is a method for uh, innovation. And it's not starting with the product first, it's starting with the need first and being able to identify that. Uh, At the beginning of your book, Breakthrough Value, you wrote, doing something well does not necessarily make it valuable, end of quote. I love that statement. Uh, Expand on it a little bit and connect it to the whole value proposition process, if you would. That is a great question. So you've been in these shoes. I have not. But if I'm an executive director of an association, one of the things that is really important, a skill that I have to have, and I I believe every association executive needs to have, is what do we do well in this association? What do we don't do well? And that assessment happens all the time. Okay. Um, So when you think about um, strategic thinking and you think about communications work and event planning and all the things that you do. It's easy to start off that thought process with what do we do well? How can we relay what we do well? Because that's what's going to matter. So could I answer that, um, that question with a short story about my very first value proposition project in Idaho? It was many years ago. And it was a, in a room of 20 people. And it was local leaders of the local association and members at large from those target audiences that we need to to target. And even there was representation from their umbrella, their, their bigger state association. And the purpose of this gathering is to identify the worries and the needs from several target audiences, and then synthesize those down to a few that the target audiences all have in common, and then link up what the association does well with what members need most. So when it came to that point in the process, and we had member needs on one side of the column, and now it's time to say, now, what does this association do that answers those needs? The room went silent. And the CEO finally broke the silence and, and said, well, it seems that what we do well doesn't really matter much unless it matters to them. So when I think about that sweet spot of value It's the intersection of what they need most and what an association does best. So when you really think about the words that you use that describe the emotional value for your services or your tools or whatever it is that you think you do well, they will care about it if it's something that answers something that that they stay up at night worrying about or something they really need in their career. So getting to value is what makes what an association does well, like boomerangs, what they think they do well, and it comes back to them in terms of member attention, because they've related to something the member really needs. So I've always said that members are attracted to excellence. 
And what I'm hearing you say now is, uh, of course, that it helps if that excellence is something meaningful to members because you can do things well, as you said, but it, it doesn't necessarily make it valuable. So there has to be a connection or an alignment in order for the value proposition to quote, sell the association. So if the association is doing something well that I don't even need, or that's not going to help me, there's going to be a natural disconnect that is hard to overcome. Is that fair? I think it's fair. Um, I think it's also fair to say that if you can draw in that member, that group of members with something really relevant about something they really need first, you then have the chance to sell, promote, inform those members about all those other things that you think are important. But the value proposition begins with what they need most because that's how you relate to them and get their attention. I think that's actually where the pandemic helped some associations this year because there were very specific member needs around direction, guidance, just help in knowing what was coming next and knowing how they needed to handle what was coming next. And for the associations that stepped up and filled that education or knowledge vacuum, they grew. Other associations shrank. So so some associations actually were helped uh, by the, the challenge of the last year, the suffering of the last year, and some definitely were not. In the book, you also share an example of an association that moved from an exhausted, exhausted, exhaustive list of benefits to a simplified message focused on what you call proof points. So what is a proof point and how do you help clients to find these? Okay, so if I could step back just for a moment and say that a strong message of value, that rationale has three legs three legs of a stool. And I like to think of it like, let's say, um, you know, buying a car or a pair of shoes or, or that nonprofit that you really, you really love and you really buy into. So number one, it has to relate to them. And number two, it has to be different from any other option they can get anywhere else. And number three, you have to do it really well today. So think of the three legs as relate, differentiate, substantiate. So part of that first leg, it has to be relevant. The message has to be relevant. There's two parts of relevance. So think about it like in the, in the perspective of this car. So number one is emotional relevance. It feels right. I can see myself in it. It just makes me feel good. Those are the intangible benefits of making a decision about a new car, then the mind looks to rational relevance and says, how do I justify this purchase that's that's really emotional? And that might be something like it's reliable or it has this amazing 100,000 mile warranty or it's the safest in the market. Like those are tangible benefits. So a value proposition does both. It offers an emotional benefit and rational reasons. And the rational reasons are those proof points. And that's the way you say, this is how I prove our promise to you. That's what those proof points are. 
the rational relevance. So I know that in helping clients define these, you recommend a value of having a task force involved in identifying and articulating value. Uh, why not? The easy question, um, why not just hire a marketing agency to do it? Why go through this long, deliberate, careful process? Yeah, especially because I'm a marketing agency and uh, I'm here to say that you cannot do this alone. Just like you can't do strategic planning alone. You can't do communications planning alone because the best marketing happens with selecting the right audience, knowing the ins and outs of the organization. And that's what leads to this task force being so valuable. It's the right target audience. And I really believe that no two associations are the same. No two associations are going to have the same exact target audience and no two organizations are going to have the same exact um, strengths. So good marketing fits into this project because if you do the homework right, if you get the voice of the member and you understand their needs and you match that up with what the association does really well, that's where the creative process takes over and that's where marketing takes over. But I don't think there's a place for someone to come in and do it for you. So for a value proposition, the, the process includes a few leaders and a few staff people, and the book goes into who should be in the room. But just as important are the decision of the three or four very important priority member groups. And I talk about segmentation in the book, but I also have a lot about segmentation on my website if anyone's interested. It's so important for everything that you do to really remember and put in your head, who are the people we most want to influence? And all member groups are not, you know, they're not measured the same. A part-time member is different than a full-time member, is different than a high producer, is different than a business owner, is different than a new member. They're all different. And every association is going to select those and prioritize those audiences differently. So when I think of a task force that we recommend in this book, the task force really helps to set the stage for getting the right information in order to do the fun, creative work that happens afterwards. Well, and you can see just in talking through that and listening to all that, you can see how this, how this is a, a complex process. And I encourage people to focus on the end result, because when you, you know, the more time you spend on the front end, the less time you have to spend on the back end. If you have a strong value proposition, it's actually going to help you get leverage and momentum when it comes to inviting people into membership, into the organization. In addition to proof points, you also write about money moments in the book. Tell us a little bit about these and why they're valuable. Oh, my gosh. This is my favorite well, one of my favorite, never to forget phrases, a money moment. And it inspires me every time I walk into an organization or into a meeting or into a workshop, because the money moment is what is significant to that audience, whether it's the leaders that are sitting in the room, the members that are sitting in the room. So when an association discovers and then delivers and then launches their value proposition, the, mo the money moment is when that that member walks up unsolicited to give the leaders feedback that says, 
now I understand how I can make more money, or now I understand how I can move ahead in my career, or an executive director who says, now I have more confidence with my board of directors because they're all on the same page. And then my favorite one was a, a member that walked up to me and said, aren't you Malin? Hey, I don't know what's different about that association, but I think I want to get involved here. So the association or the member or someone that was in that room realizes they're going to do more and do things better and re reach the results they want to reach as a result of what you just did with this value proposition. We've created a money moment. Love it. Give us an example or two of an association that was able to revamp its value proposition with impressive results. Sure. Let me give you maybe two or three. Let me give you two of them. One of them I would say is a story of a merger. And it was two associations in the Northeast and it was a contentious situation. But this, the, the marketplace was ripe for two associations to be even stronger as one association. So one of the associations had an appetite for a merger, the other did not. So how could the group getting together, members from both of these organizations coming together, help persuade everyone that they are better together than they are separately was amazing. And it was the, the value proposition that they ended up with was, um, was all around the idea of connections. And it was the power of connections in the industry, at the capital, between practitioners that were on all different sides of the transaction. It was a beautiful thing to think that a contentious situation moved to a unified situation. And ultimately, those two organizations merged. And um, so far, I wouldn't say that it's, you know, we would conclude it's a happy ending, but so far, so good. And then second, I would say, is an educational um, association in Texas that was clearly out of date with their name and their brand and their declaration of what set them apart. They had a lot of, a lot of competition. Their name had chief technology officers in it, CTOs but they had grown to serve far more than CTOs. So the target audience had changed, but they had, they had an aspiration for a wider group of people to be able to build their organization. So they came together with prospects and members of three very important target audiences, and they figured out how to set themselves apart from a rival association and to expand their target audience to grow their membership. And they did it by really understanding the needs of those groups and then what this organization does today. And by the way, the part of the value proposition that is about substantiating what you do. You don't claim that you do something well if you say to a group of people, oh, we could do that really well. You claim you do something well when you do it really well today. So this organization had already grown in the services that they deliver to a wider audience. They just hadn't branded themselves that way or set their expectations that way. So these were two examples where people did significant changes to their organization and created a value proposition to help them. 
And then I would mention the third, and it's just because it was a small association that during the pandemic, members actually didn't understand the value that the association brought to them. They just knew that it was maybe the right thing to do, but this organization were, was threatened that they didn't know how to put into words what they do well. They didn't know their target audiences, their members well enough to be able to put that into words. So back in about October of last year, they finalized their value proposition and now have a way to bring back the attention of all of those members that they sort of lost along the way because there were so many sources of information. There were only limited things that they could do that the association offered. So this process really helped them refocus and for one, really for the first time, be able to put into words how to communicate and develop a content strategy that will bring members back and actually grow their organization. And that content strategy is an important piece of this. Once you have the value proposition, connecting it to a content strategy. And a lot of times when I talk to associations, they say content strategy, what's that? Uh, So it's not enough to have the value proposition. It needs to have a way that it becomes part and parcel of every employee's work, every department's work, every focus of of every strategy that the association has as well. So let's say we have somebody who's been listening today as we wrap up here today. And let's say they know that their organization's value proposition is weak, but they don't know where to start to rework it. What advice would you have for them? So first I would say that it's really important that the the leaders of the organization get on the same page about what it is and if they need it. And if you make an investment in this small workbook called Breakthrough Value, the first section is about explaining what a value proposition is and helping the organization question themselves about if it's right for them. And then if it is, section two is about how to do it. And section three is about how to launch and how to keep it alive. And Malin, if people want to reach you or they want to get a copy of the book, where can they go? They can go to breakthroughvalue.org. And I do, I spend a lot of my time talking to organizations about their obstacles, about things they've tried, about their questions about this. So I'm available to simply talk. If you think this is something that you just need a little more conversation around, sometimes it helps just to talk to an outsider. And all my contact information is there at breakthroughvalue.org. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Mary. I'm Mary Byers, and this is Successful Associations Today. 